grab your wine, put your headphones on and relax. Let's rip open the cover of the sealed section. Welcome to After Dark with Louise Wilkinson. Brought to you by Flirt Adult Store Hamilton. Well, good evening, good people, and I hope that you're getting out and about now that lockdown is officially over. Thank you for joining me this Thursday night at 8pm. It is still so lovely to have you company, even though you have other options. I appreciate your loyalty. Tonight on After Dark, we're going to be speaking with Luke and Sindra from Conscious Couples about polyamory. It's something that Will Smith and Jada Smith brought to the table as something that they find fits their relationship model, and we'll be diving into what it's all about here on After Dark tonight. We'll also be talking to our resident sex and relationships therapist, Gabrielle Laurie, on performance anxiety and how that can affect a relationship. There will also be our usual drag therapy with the queen of the Newcastle drag scene, Timberlina, and also Jasmine from Conscious Sexuality will be talking about low libido and what we might be able to do about it. You're listening to After Dark, brought to you by Flirt Adult Store. Don't forget to use the code LIVE30 at checkout to receive 30% off your next naughty toy purchase. Ever wondered about Tantra? Perhaps you want to know the benefits of sperm retention. Luke and Sindra from Conscious Couples invite you to explore the outer limits of your sexuality on After Dark. So in the last couple of weeks, Will Smith and Jada Pinkett have come out to talk about their relationship and how monogamy doesn't really fit into their relationship model. So we're going to dive into that a little bit and I can't think of anyone else that I'd rather speak to on polyamory than Luke and Cinder from Conscious Couples. Welcome to Lipstick After Dark. Thanks for having us. And I mean, who could blame Will and Jada? They're both super hot. So aren't they? I'm I'm glad they opened things up. Yeah. Let, let other shed, people have a piece of that. Shed love. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So let's talk about the concept of polyamory and um, and what it looks like in practice. Yes. <laughs> Me like that look. <laughs> so polyamory is in a really basic format, uh, having more than one relationship. And there's about 25 million different ways that you can do polyamory, uh, and different ways, you know, it works differently for everyone. Yeah. So for us, um we've kind of moved through a few different stages of the, mm. ourselves. Um, going from, I guess, um, when we first started our relationship, we started it as an open relationship, knowing that we both identify as queer and mm. that, you know, we radically accepted the fact that neither of us could meet each other's complete needs. Um, so we started as um, open, I guess, and um, would go on dates and make new mates and, you know, have sex with other people. And then it started to uh, it started to more delve into polyamory more recently, um, and yeah, it's um, there's, but there's a there's a like Cinder said there's a bazillion different ways you can do it. You can swing, you can um, yeah, 
do all sorts of crazy things. <laughs> yeah, sure. So you guys are obviously in a very committed relationship with like amazing communication. Um, so how does polyamory work? Do you have like uh, boundaries around it? Do you sit and talk about how it how it looks for you guys? Are there are there rules? As you know, with us, Louise, we talk about everything. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, we talk about our polyamory a lot. Uh, at the moment, I have a partner and um, Luke doesn't have a, I guess, like continuing partner at the moment. So there is a lot that we talk about. There's a lot that we discuss. Um, I guess we do have boundaries, but it's quite fluid, fluid in that we kind of just feel into it and see where things land. Um, but yeah, everything has a conversation. And to be honest, like the transition for us has been like pretty challenging, I guess, because, you know, we we're kind of going from just an open relationship where it was all quite casual to me having like an actual like, official partner. Mm. So yeah, it hasn't been like all, you know, roses and rainbows. Yeah. 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 And, and how do you, um, so, so Sindri, you're talking about like at the moment you have, you have another partner and I, I remember Luke, um, the, one of the first interactions that I had with you was that you accidentally sent me a message that was meant for Sindra. Uh, that was, <laughs> do you remember that? All uh, the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, that was, um, you chatting to, uh, to a guy and, um, uh, about, about his, his sexual flavor. And, um, yeah, that sort of opened up the conversation for, for us, um, with our working relationship guys fairly early because, uh, yeah, you had to, it was before our first interview and you had to say, Oh, look, sorry, Louise, that wasn't actually meant for you. That was yeah, meant that, to send that, that to Sindra. That, Oops. That was, that, was, that was an interaction with another, gentleman off grinder yeah and i thought was uh quite shocking <laughs> and i went to uh tell cinder about it and he it was one of the first messages <laughs> that i'd sent to you yeah so one of the one of the i guess when you ask is there rules and boundaries in our relationship and like often you know if you're going to move into something like this then for comfort's sake um you know some rules and some boundaries you know, really need to be talked about and agreed upon because um, relationships really are just, you know, a series of agreements. Yes. Um, and, you know, it it makes a huge difference to be able to, to feel safe and secure in what you're doing to start putting rules and boundaries in, but also know and accept that they can change. They don't have to stay the same. Yeah. It's only another conversation away from figuring out what works. For us, um, I guess one of the, the rules... I guess, yeah, one of the rules that has worked really well for us is transparency. You know, we um, talk to each other about everything and anything as it comes up. Um, we don't share anybody's, um, you know, information. You know, if somebody sends us, you know, a message or like a, a photo or anything like that, that doesn't automatically mean that it's transparent to mm. each other. Yeah. But we do have the ability to talk about, you know, pretty much everything that goes on in our relationships with other people and each other. Yeah. Um, so transparency around, you know, what we're doing and who we're doing it with, um, sexual health um, yep. is a big one, like, you know, safe sex only. And um, I guess also at the beginning there was, we had some rules around sexual activities as far as like, 
you know, kink and BDSM stuff that we wouldn't, wouldn't do with other people because we weren't confident in their competence to be able to perform some of those things. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And do you, um, like, do you meet the, each other's, uh, partners or do you keep that separate? Not always. Yeah, not always. My partner and Luke are pretty good mates and they get along really well and sometimes they go for little runs together and things like that. So they're actually called metamors. um, Metamors. That is the relationship. Right. Um, But, yeah, they're just mates and they hang out and the three of us hang out together sometimes, which is really cute. Mm. And sometimes you just hang out with her. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, makes it um, in in this situation. I, it's just a part of, I guess, my attachment style and my personality type that it makes um, it has made it easier in this circumstance as we moved into this for me to know Cinder's partner. Um, be, I don't know; it just felt less scary. Yeah, I guess, and you know, know this person, be able to accept it if you know I could meet them and get along with them. Yeah. Um, but it's not like a it's not a deal breaker if that wasn't the case. Um, it's nice though. Yeah, it's nice in in different types of open relating. There's like you know different rules around having a veto rule. Like you can veto a particular person or a partner. You know you can you know you can call it on a relationship. Like I've had enough of you and that other person. Like you need to stop now. It right. doesn't work out particularly well in like in a lot of the literature that we've read. But that's something that a lot of people bring in because they try and make the open relating as close to you know i guess safety and normal as possible yeah so sure. that can have control over the other person's relationship and they feel safe in their own relationship in their own relationship yeah because i guess um you know i had a really interesting conversation the other day about um you know about feeling safe around like introducing a, a new person in a friend of mine was sort of working through that and um, and that they said that they could have uh, for them to feel safe, uh, the person that they brought in, they could like it was sort of one of those scenarios where never see them again um, because that's mm. sort of what made them feel safe. So I guess that there is, um, you know, a, an emphasis on making sure that the other that the other partner in your relationship feels secure in the fact that your relationship is certainly primary and number one and the priority. Um, Mm. Yeah. That, um, that, you know, would make it uh, a lot, a lot easier for both of you. Yeah. Yeah, That's the, I mean, that's the kind of polyamory that we practice because we're married and we have a house and we co-parent and all of that stuff. Yeah. We have Um, business together. Yeah. There is polyamory that, um, non-hierarchical polyamory where uh, everyone is on the same level. Mm. So there's no primary, there's no anything, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily be like we're in a hierarchical polyamory relationship. However, that's just kind of where things fall for us. However, yeah, some people are very like, it's all a level playing field. So it's like equal time, equal responsibilities, equal roles and things like that that, you know, might, may work for some people who are kind of coming into it at the same time. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas for us, we had already been together for a few years and, yeah, all that kind of stuff behind us. Yeah, so there's many ways that you can do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm, it's yes. very interesting. It is. It's such a, of like, yeah, 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 it is a very interesting um 
you know, dynamic and and so many different things to consider. Uh, and I love that, um, you know, Will and Jada, I mean, look, you know, I, I agree. I don't know which one I'd go for first, to be honest. Um, but, um, you know, it's great that they've opened up the conversation, you know, and, and got people to think, well, how does that look in practice? And is that something that I can introduce or is that something that I want to explore? So I really also appreciate your transparency in, um, in bringing it out into conversation because, uh, you know, it certainly is uh, something that, you know, is an option, uh, you know, if you feel like you're not getting uh, everything from your your primary partner, uh, this is possibly a more open and honest conversation than just going and cheating. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There's- or having to break up a relationship just for the fact that you have desires you know, outside, you know, a lot of people wouldn't even have the confidence to be able to say, I desire this because they would think that that conversation would lead to a breakup without even cheating, you know? So yeah, yeah, for sure. Means more, more fluid longevity in relationships uh, for a lot of people. Yeah. Awesome. Guys, I thank you so much uh, for coming and talking about this tonight. It's a fascinating subject and one we'll probably dive into uh, a little bit more at some point in the future as well, because uh, I feel like I've just scratched the surface today. But uh, yeah, I really appreciate your input on this. Thanks. You're welcome. You're welcome. Want some love and sex advice? Searching for the answer to your complex, confusing or downright awkward questions. The queen of the Newcastle drag scene is in the building. It's time for In Bed with Timberlina on After Dark. Well, it's my favourite time of the week. It's time to welcome back the queen of the Newcastle drag scene, Timberlina, and what an exciting week it is, my friend. Yes. Hello, hello, hello. Yes. Yeah. So good. I know. We get to see actual people. I know. I forget what it feels like to have people in the same area as me. I know. (laughs) I know. I'm so excited for you. And you have done, may I just say to you, um, an absolutely amazing community service during this lockdown, keeping people entertained with your online drag bingo. Um, Thank you. I hope that you don't have PTSD with Zoom. And um, (laughs) I don't. Do you know what? I love a good Zoom, but I've worked out that I've done over, I think it's 50 shows this lockdown. Yeah. That's amazing. So, yeah. 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 I'm I'm not made to be a can girl though. Can I just say that? I'm more <laughs> of an in-person kind of girl. <laughs> well, it's not really showing off your skills. Wink wink nudge nudge. You know? Yeah. In on cam, is it? No. Not at all. <laughs> All right, so, uh, you know, the public have spoken and yet again uh, after your amazing advice. All right, so here we go. Now, this week was uh, on Monday and you spoke uh, on uh, The Juice, which is my daytime show at 12pm every weekday, people, uh, about coming out and because it was coming out day on Monday. And this question is actually in that vein. 
So I'm a 21-year-old guy and I want to come out to my parents as pansexual. I love who I love and I don't care about biological sex, gender or gender identity. To me, it's the person that counts, not the packaging they come in. The problem is my parents are very traditional and this would blow their minds. What is the best way to tell them? I think we did actually touch on all of these points on Monday when we when we talked about your coming out story. Uh, but what would be your advice to someone who you know has a fairly traditional family and it might not go down as well as your story did with your family being extremely supportive? Yeah. Did they say they were pansexual? Is that what the Pansexual, said? yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess for me, um, if you have siblings, I don't know if that was in there, but um, if you have siblings, I would like probably reach out to them because they're probably going to be your like bee's knees to be able to help. Um, They usually already on the ball of what's hip and cool and all that kind of stuff. So this probably they won't even blink an eye to. Um, But if not, talk to your friends about it. I would... Do you know what? I would go to the parent that you feel safest with um, and pull them aside and let them know um, and make sure you have like all your evidence because I feel like parents love evidence. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I would definitely like really have everything like your T's crossed, your I's dotted and everything like that just so when they start asking all the weird questions that you have answers for them um because that's what they're going to do and they probably if you do come from a family that's very traditional there's going to be a lot of questions and a lot of hows and whys and everything like that so just make sure you're prepared i guess um mentally and physically i guess because i guess a traditional family can either go two ways i'll totally accept it or there will be some interesting times but i think if you are really worried there's some great people that you can talk to out there i mean you can dm me but um i'm not a actual counselor so i would contact minus 18 or acon health um because they will have some really probably good resources as well for you yeah amazing amazing and uh yeah look i think i think all of your advice is rock solid myself i think you've missed your calling (laughs) thank you (laughs) yeah you can do glitter therapy You know, I'm going to sprinkle the glitter and everything will be fixed. It'll be amazing. (laughs) I wish. I wish. (laughs) I think glitter like cures everything myself. But, you know, that's just my personality. (laughs) Okay. Next question. Mm. What is the line between acceptable fetishes and things that I should seek treatment for? Oh. I mean, I'd like to know the list, but <laughs> yeah. I think I think everything's acceptable in doses, right? Well, I, I think so. I, I don't know if there's like a limit of what's a fetish and what you need to seek help about. I just don't think there would be anything. I just I think you you're the one to judge that at the end of the day. Um, you're going to know what's right and what's wrong or um, yeah, I just, I feel like anything goes in a safe environment, right? It does. I mean, look, my, my advice would probably be to, uh, Google is X activity illegal, <laughs> uh, just to make sure, 
that we're not crossing any boundaries there, obviously, of the law. Um, but it's actually quite interesting because last week we were talking to Luke and Cinder from Conscious Couples and they talked about how to get your fantasies into the bedroom, make them a reality. And the key is your favourite word. Come on, hit me. Communication. That's the one. Now, (laughs) (laughs) because, you know, it's if your partner is on the same page as you and you can have an honest discussion, then, you know, uh, let's not judge here. We're we're a non-judgmental space. You know, you do you, boo. Let your freak flag fly. 100%. As long as it's not illegal. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, look, um, yeah, make sure that it's not illegal. And if it's not, then, look, you you do you. I think that is, you know, amazing and makes for some good stories around the campfire, I feel. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right, last question. Dear Timberlina, I'm still in love with my ex-girlfriend, We were friends before we dated and we did everything together. We talked and texted every day. Uh, Her ex-boyfriend was an ass and treated her very badly. I was fine staying friends and I just enjoyed spending time with her. She had a hard life and she needed joy for once. So eventually things evolved and we started to date and everything was perfect. We got on and then she basically cut me off dead. She said she's still in love with her ex and she couldn't see me anymore. I responded with how hurt I was and she told me not to contact her in any form. Uh, I have respected her wishes and given her space, but I have to ask, is there any way to get her back? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) Succinct to the point. Yeah. No, it's done. It's done, doll. It's done. Um, I wouldn't be chasing something that's already ended. Um, put your eggs in another basket and like fly with that. I think I think you're wasting your time and energy. Um, you need more positive stuff around you rather than the negative. So get rid of them. They're not worth your time. Absolutely. And look, I think that sometimes when when we attach ourselves to people who are toxic, as as your ex girlfriend obviously has here, that um, you know she needs to go on a bit of a journey of self-love because until she can love herself, she can't love you wholly. And I think that what's showing here is that she is actually bonding and attaching to someone who treat her terribly. And that's an issue within her. It's not even about the ex-boyfriend treating her badly. It's about her choices and her self-worth here. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Nailed that? Yeah, I think so. Look, that was a good one. It was. Look, I think that we should uh, set up at Five Sawyers in a corner and um, and and do you know therapy sessions? Twenty bucks, Louise and Timberlina, <laughs> right? You can have ten minutes of absolute down the line wisdom. It'll save you a fortune. We just cut right to the chase. Imagine that the, all the drunk people there on a Saturday night were just sitting in the corner. It'd be like those psychics where you like yeah. pull the curtain back and like Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's do it one time. That'd be hilarious, and we can record it. Yep, I think we should. Yep, 
uh, Five Sawyers, we're coming at you. Timberlina yep. and Louise uh, therapy sessions. <laughs> oh, thank you once again, my friend, for joining me on After Dark. It's always uh, insightful, but always a hoot. And I just love having you. Thank you once again. We all know the brain is the biggest sex organ, so it's no wonder there's a fair bit of psychology behind our sexual practices. Our resident sex and relationships therapist, Gabrielle Laurie, helps us navigate our way around the bedroom, or whichever room takes your fancy. What head are you thinking with on After Dark? It's time to welcome back to After Dark our resident relationships and sex therapist, Gabrielle Laurie. And tonight we're talking about something that invariably affects men at some point during their time as a sexual being, and that is performance anxiety. Gabrielle, welcome to After Dark. Thanks, Louise. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Now, you know, performance anxiety is something that does come up for men and it's something that isn't talked about, is it? I mean, at the pub, we're unlikely to bring this up with our bestie and uh, and say that this is something that we're struggling with, but it is certainly probably something in your line of work that you see quite often. Yeah, yeah. And definitely, guys, don't want to talk about it with each other. Uh, they often feel embarrassed, like... So sexual performance anxiety, they often they're worrying about um, is their penis big enough? Does it work the way it should? Can they please their partner? Um, are they going to be as good as her past lovers? Uh, and if they've got anxiety around this and self-doubt, embarrassment and shame, they're definitely not going to bring it up at the pub. Mm, definitely <laughs> Unless not. they're a super extrovert or super comfortable with themselves. But yep. Yeah, and, and that kind of self-doubt and embarrassment and shame, it leads to them avoiding sexual encounters altogether sometimes, and this can lead to feeling depressed and lonely. Mm, for sure. And and yeah. I guess, you know, for for males that are partnered, um, can, can make uh, their partner feel quite uh, alienated and, and not knowing what's going on. So that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because a lot of guys are withdrawers. They don't, they might not communicate openly and honestly their feelings and needs. So the partner's just suddenly feeling, well, what's going on? Am I not attractive? Don't you love me? Do you want to break up? Are you seeing someone else? So it can lead to big relationship problems. Yeah, okay. So what are the causes of, uh, of performance anxiety in men that you see most commonly? Basically, it is that negative self-talk and comparison making and uh, not being in the moment. So, uh, I mean, the cures for performance anxiety is basically concentrating on the pleasurable sensations in that moment that are happening and giving yourself permission to not get it 100% 100% perfect, perform perfectly every time, like they may see in porn, that's just not real life. It's okay if you lose your erection halfway through. You can reassure her that you love her and it's nothing to do with her attractiveness, that you just get a bit nervous because you like her so much, you're so into it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Show yourself that your penis works if that's what you're worried about, like when you masturbate, if you're getting erections when you masturbate and you can ejaculate okay then you know it all works. So you might be having some relationship issues you need to be more honest about. 
there might be repressed anger or resentment delaying your ejaculation. Um, but performance anxiety can cause these things. It can cause premature ejaculation, which is ejaculating in under one minute. It can cause erectile dysfunction at times, and it can cause um, delayed ejaculation. So there's different treatments for those. But if you are getting any of those symptoms, see your GP because they can also be caused by other things. Mm, for sure. But in a nutshell, yeah, performance anxiety can cause all of them. <laughs> it's yeah. left too long. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Yeah, I get that. And I guess, um, you know, the first step, and we we do come back to it a lot, and it is something that, you know, men are from Mars and women are from Venus, and <laughs> communication does solve a lot of issues, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I suppose, though, um, because a lot of people didn't grow up being role-modelled healthy communication, some people have had a lot of experiences where communication can make it worse. So some guys try to say how they're feeling and what they're needing, but it might sound like they're blaming or criticising or and they haven't maybe had the skills role modelled on how to do it in a healthy way. It, and they might have been trained not to ever look vulnerable. Yeah. So they say, well, I'm feeling insecure or anxious. You know, they might say, well, you've, you know, maybe it's because you've put on weight. <laughs> Do not say that. <laughs> Particularly not after lockdown. Anxiety. We're all carrying a few lockdown pounds. Um, yeah, be forgiving. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so own what's going on in your body. Um, and, yeah, do talk about it. But if you think you don't have the skills to explain it in a way that's going to still leave your partner feeling loved and reassured and attracted to you, come see a sex therapist and we can help you explain what's going on. Also, a lot of guys have unrealistic expectations about sex. Mm. Um, so they, you know, they might have this idea that women should be having orgasms all the time, you know, and give her performance anxiety. If, if a man's self-worth or self-esteem is based on achievement, then if he's not giving you five orgasms like in the porn that he watches, then he might feel like a failure and start to withdraw or feel angry or resentful, you know, yeah. and then she'll get performance anxiety and she won't orgasm because she'll feel like well, she better hurry up and orgasm or she might start faking it. Or So definitely come in and make sure your expectations around sex are realistic. Mm. Yeah. And that will reduce some performance anxiety. Yeah, for sure. Yes. <laughs> Most women have clitoral orgasms. So it's all on the outside. So take your time. Go slowly. Focus on massaging her first. Don't get down to the main, you know, target areas so soon. And then you, you'll get less performance anxiety if you're not thinking, okay, touch her nipples for two minutes, touch her clitoris for two minutes. Now I'll go in. <laughs> <laughs> Just go with the flow. Put on yeah. some Marvin Gaye and just relax. <laughs> yep, I get it. I get it. Gabrielle, I yeah, this issue is something that really does need to be brought to the table and I thank you for um, bringing it up because, yeah, I mean, you can imagine that, yeah, uh, 
left untreated or, or not talked about can result in a huge mess to untangle. So, yeah, it's um, it's certainly something that, uh, you know, if, if you are experiencing any of this, that open and honest communication and seeking the help that's available is crucial to uh, having, you know, a wonderful and, and fulfilling sex life. So I really do thank you for bringing this to the table and uh, certainly the help is out there. And Gabrielle is such help. You can find her on Facebook and you can uh, connect with her and uh, she is the absolute bomb in sorting all of this out. <laughs> Gabrielle oh, Laurie, yeah, look, you're you're a legend. <laughs> you really are. <laughs> yeah, Gabrielle Laurie, who is our resident sexual and relationships therapist, thank you so much for joining us once again on After Dark. Want to unlock your pleasure? Jasmine invites you to push past your limiting beliefs around sex and love. It's Conscious Sexuality. Have you been feeling a little bit discombobulated, a little bit maybe flat, a little bit just out of sorts? Well, all of this stuff can interfere with our libidos. It's perfectly normal. And here to talk about it is Jasmine from Conscious Sexuality. Jasmine, welcome back to After Dark. Thanks, Louise. Glad to be back. Always lovely to have you. Now, today we're talking about a subject that I guess... A lot of people don't actually uh, think about necessarily in um, when they're going about their day-to-day things, but, you know, mismatched libidos can actually be a thing with couples, and it is quite normal, isn't it? It is actually very normal, and I think um, low libidos in particular is a topic that not necessarily everyone's willing to broach, because maybe they do feel a little bit of shame um, that they don't have a matched sex drive with mm. their partner um, or they've got their friends talking about how they're, you know, really horny all the time and wanting to have sex and they're thinking the opposite. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. And, look, there are a lot of factors that, that can factor in and I know that, you know, full disclosure, you know, we were talking before I went on air and um, there's a lot going on for me at the moment. So, you know, when I go to bed, uh, I just want to go to sleep, to be honest. Uh, so, you know, it is certainly a whole mix of things that can lead to this issue, not necessarily just medical, although that is a facet to it. But there is a lot of uh, different different things at play that can affect your libido, isn't there? Yeah, there really is. And um, I'm similar to yourself at the moment. I've got a pretty low libido. Um, for those who are regular listeners would know that I'm also pregnant and that can, you know, really change things up. And, and we're not always wired to be thinking about sex or wanting to have sex all the time or even, you know, self-pleasure and masturbation. Um, And some of the things that can sort of lead to that is even just our genetic makeup of who we are as people, um, our our hormone levels and how they are. Um, One other thing that I have personally learned myself is having low iron can contribute Mm. to having a really low libido. Yeah. Um, And and just what's going on in the world, like what's occupying your mind and if, if, you're busy and you're caught up, you've got stresses and and all those sorts of things are going on, they can contribute to not wanting sex as being at the forefront of your mind. And so you do tend to shove it to the back. Um, And and some of us are okay with that. You know, some of us don't need sex 
to, um, you know, have a good life or, or be able to get through day to day and things like that. Um, so then there are people who do have a drop in their, in their libido and, and they do want sex and they're trying to figure out, well, how do I change these chemical reactions mm. in my body um, to be able to get that drive back that they're wanting? You know, some people are like, okay, I'm cool with this being low, that's fine. Uh, but then other people aren't okay with it being low and they, they might look into ways to resolve it, mm. which I just think is interesting and I guess just a really cool facet of, of what it is to be human um, is that like our faces and our bodies are all very different, so are our um, levels of sex drive. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And, and if we do have a low libido um, and someone like myself who talks about sex and sexuality all the time, might people might sort of just assume that I've got a raging sex life potentially um, <laughs> and that I'm thinking about it all the time and doing it all the time but in my case it's just that's not really happening because I mean I've got a number of things that are going on in my own personal life adding a lower libido on top of that um, and and that's just not a priority for me at the moment um, and and interestingly how do you navigate that with a partner mm. well my favorite thing to tell everybody is communicate yes for sure, yeah. <laughs> Definitely communicate, talk to your partner, make sure they're aware of how you're feeling, uh, how can you help them in different ways, how can you create intimacy in ways that might not necessarily be sex, um, and also just encouraging them to um, have their own self-pleasure time as well because we're not responsible for getting people off and, and um, their pleasure. Everyone's responsible for their own. You know what, that is an absolute bang on point is that, you know, um, I know that I, in, pa- in past conversations that I've had with girlfriends or whatever who might be going through a little bit of a, a lull in their sex drive, they really do feel that pressure from their partner um, that they're not raising sex machines and they don't want to stop everything and just jump on you know, on yep. their partner. So mm-hmm. it's it's very interesting what you're saying. And I think that when we're going through these times, it is important to remember that, that we are not responsible for other people's pleasure. And exactly. if we can communicate that, hey, look, you know, I'm just not in the zone at the moment and be given that that space to work it out and and also not take on the fact that you feel like you're letting someone down in air quotes, I think that that's, um, you know, mentally a very good place to start from. Absolutely. And, and then that in itself takes off the pressure mm. of feeling like you have to give when you don't want to. Um, which can make then if you decide to force yourself to, you know, have a partnered sexual experience, you're probably not really going to be into it. Um, and, and, and in the end, you might, your partner might resent that you forced yourself to do it when you weren't really feeling like it. And it can lead to, you know, other things that you just don't really want it to lead to. Mm. So I think really just saying, hey, this is not where I am at the moment. What can we do that makes us feel intimate together and, and close? Um, that isn't necessarily sex because that's just not where your head's at. Yeah, for sure. And look, if if um, I was sort of feeling a low sex drive and I and I wanted to investigate uh, how I can sort of improve that, it was something that that I felt that I wanted to address. What would be some of the things that I could look at? Yeah, definitely. So I think one of the things um, that people might not think of is is get your hormones tested and mm. work out you know, where your estrogen or your um, progesterone levels are and see if that's 
playing a role um, or, or your eye and all those sorts of things. Work out what your body's doing. Um, so go and see your GP or your gynecologist and have a chat to them about your concerns. You know, you might be on medication that, that contributes to a low libido. So, you know, what are some of the ways that you could um, boost that, which, you know, because you can't come off a certain medication, maybe that, um, you know, more, taking some more time for some self-pleasure for yourself to help you feel more in the mood. Um, some I have seen a few people recommend that the more times that maybe you might self-pleasure yourself, the more times you might want to do it in the partner experience. Mm. And so, I mean, that's a very unique um, perspective and it might work for some, it might not work for everybody. Um, but I think definitely go and see your GP or your gynecologist to start with. Um, and if it's not sort of like a chemical reaction in your body, maybe maybe it's something psychological or, or mental that's going on and maybe you want to see a sex therapist um, or a psychologist yeah. uh, to help you get into a better mental headspace um, to be able to then sort of go, okay, how do I feel about sex? Um, maybe you're questioning your sexuality so you don't even know if you want who you're wanting to have sex with. Um, and there's all those kinds of things as well. The different ways that you relate to people, you might be drawn to someone not necessarily because of their gender, but because of who they are as a person or their um, the connection that you have with them and, and all those kinds of things. So there are really a lot of areas that you can explore um, when it comes to examining maybe why is, why do I have a low libido? Maybe, maybe you're a mum and you're really busy and your brain's really full. How can you offload what you're doing to free up some of your space to make time for something that you do want in your life? Mm. Um, there's a really great book called Come As You Are by Dr. Emily Nagoski. Yes. Uh, and she really breaks down the science of, in particular, a female brain um, and how that works in terms of the sex drive. And so that's a brilliant sort of science-based book to read and learn how our female bodies um, respond to sex and all those kinds of things. And I, I found that book very fascinating. Yeah, that's awesome advice. Look, I, I really thank you, Jasmine, for bringing this to the table because it is something that does pop up even in, you know, the most healthy sexual relationships. Life can sometimes get in the way and we're not living in utopia and um, we can't just lie around on our beds being fed grapes all the time. So, uh, you know, it does, it does creep in. And I love the, uh, you know, the takeaways from today uh, and I know that it will help a lot of people listening in terms of uh, getting their sexual mojo back if that's what they wish to do and where to start on that journey so I really thank you for our discussion today oh look you're welcome and you know I'm all about breaking down the stigma of things and I think low libido is one of those stigmas that people might not feel comfortable owning up to but let's normalize that conversation and just yeah, keep letting people and those who are listening that you're not abnormal if you've got a low libido, you're perfectly normal. I love that. Jasmine, thank you so much for joining us once again on After Dark. Thank you. You're listening to After Dark with Louise Wilkinson. Thank you for joining me once again on After Dark. It's always an absolute pleasure to have your company. We've really shaken it up tonight and looked at the kink and the underside of sexuality. Hope you've been inspired to work with what you've heard and live your best sexy life. You've been listening to After Dark, brought to you by Flirt Adult Store. 
your wine, put your headphones on and relax. It's time to rip open the cover of the sealed section and delve deep. But be warned, it's adults only. It's After Dark with Louise Wilkinson from 8pm every Thursday night. Only on Newcastle Live Radio. Brought to you by Flirt Adult Store Hamilton. 